welcome to the next episode of the Cam Marketing Save the Planet podcast. And on this episode, we are delighted to have Anna Brightman, co-founder of UpCircle with us. Anna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. It is great to have you here. So let's start, Anna, with an introduction to you and UpCircle and how you got started. Sure. So uh, UpCircle Beauty is essentially a, a skincare and beauty brand focused entirely, as the name implies, on circular economy principles. So we launched about seven and a half years ago now. And the initial idea, that kind of penny drop moment that people often talk about, was in relation to wanting to tackle the issue of coffee waste. So essentially how much coffee we are disposing of from cafes, bars and restaurants all over the world. Um, and the way in which we chose to tackle that was to turn it into natural, sustainable, organic skincare products. And that was our kind of day zero. <laughs> Since then, fast forwarding, uh, we've decided to kind of own that concept and really push the boundaries of how far we can potentially take it. For our specific industry, it's incredibly challenging because this is beauty, right? We're, we're talking about the least glamorous topics, i.e. waste, and we are trying to encourage people to apply it to their face. <laughs> um, and that's that's no easy task. We're, we're very much pioneers in this space, but we've had, you know, re relatively a pretty incredible success in a short space of time. So we're now upcycling over 50 different byproduct ingredients that we intercept from various industries all over the world. And uh, we have a full range of skincare. We've got hair care now. We're going to be launching into colour cosmetics. And we do a full range of plastic-free accessories as well that you might utilise alongside your standard beauty and skincare products. Uh, we sell globally in over 50 countries. And um, we've got a full packaging return scheme as well. So when people run out of their products at home, they can send their packaging back to us and we will sterilize and refill it. So it's kind of, um, we've expanded beyond the circularity of ingredients to also address the circularity of packaging, which is a significant issue in our industry. So that's that's the brand in a nutshell. Uh, we, we try to keep things positive and uplifting rather than bombarding with, you know, doom and gloom. Um, and yeah, I'm very proud of the growth that we've had in a, in a relatively short space of time. And, and you talk about the, the challenge of, of your industry and taking waste and, and turning that into something that people essentially put on their face or in their hair. But what about some of the challenges also around your the industry that you've gone into in general, given beauty is billions and billion dollar industry out there, lots of lots of organizations selling their products all at varying degrees and levels. What are some of the challenges that you faced in terms of just going into what is an incredibly saturated market? Yeah, it's it's incredibly competitive and the big brands in the beauty industry are incredibly big. <laughs> so it's hard to break out from that kind of startup niche fringe eco, particularly when you've got an eco message uh, into someone who's kind of disrupting the market. So I think from day one, we've been intentionally disruptive in our tone, in the way in which we choose to speak about what we're doing and in the way we go about challenging the the status quo and this kind of underlying acceptance that beauty is how it is you know yeah okay beauty is really not great for the environment but it's the beauty industry it's it's never going to be the industry that saves the planet and we're saying well actually if we can prove that circular skincare can be not just something that's a few eco warriors are really passionate about but something that's made 
mainstream and aspirational and beautiful and as we've already said the most important thing which is effective um you know performance-led formulations then people will purchase it because it works and the rest is just an added bonus and that's when you'll really drive behavioral change and people will get on board with your mission irrespective of whether they are you know deeply concerned about the future of the planet uh, and i think that that's where we've had the biggest impact because if you you know, if you want to buy a new face moisturizer or an, an acne treatment because you're someone who breaks out regularly, then you're going to buy that product because that's what you need. And you don't necessarily care about, um, you know, the impact that that brand or that product has had on the planet. You're, you're buying it because you want to improve your confidence. <laughs> and that is the consumer's ultimate priority in our industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, these these are the sorts of challenges that we're up against. And what we've learned along the way is that if we can prove that, that the performance of our upcycled ingredients is better or at least as good as those that aren't, then you've formed a win-win situation for both the person buying and the planet. So that's kind of what we have to really front run our messaging with, um, whether that's clinical trials, getting formulations dermatologically approved, leading with testimonials and reviews and before and after transformations. These are the things that we have to do more than other brands might have to. <laughs> that's a very interesting point. And, and the point that you said about learning along the way, and you've, you've learned this along the way, was there a point, Anna, within UpCircle where you were focused on the negative impact of the beauty industry. And because there are some startling statistics, um, if we think about what that looks like from a waste perspective, Mm -hmm. from a packaging perspective, from a chemicals perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. there is, if you break it down, it's, there's a lot of uh, negative impact. From a marketing, messaging, connecting your with your audience where they are at, was there a point where that was part of the narrative within UpCircle that you've learned along the way that you've moved away from? Yeah, it, it sort of depends. There are certain channels with regards to marketing where we might highlight that more than we would on others. So if you take, for example, organic social content, people already choose to follow you. They might already be a customer. They're not looking to be reminded every day of some of the horrendous statistics. And statistics in our industry are bad. You know, um, For coffee, for example, in the UK, we send 500,000 tonnes of coffee waste to landfill per year. And that coffee, when disposed of in industry, sized quantities, i.e. not someone at home putting it on their garden where it can aerobically degrade. Uh, When you're throwing it away in a sack, a plastic sack, it rots and then it produces methane, which is a greenhouse gas. So there's a kind of coffee tidbit. Then you've got the packaging side of things, which is shocking. Uh, When I was a teenager, most products were still laden with microbeads. So hundreds of thousands of these tiny little plastic balls in toothpastes and exfoliators, which you can't then get back out of the water systems. So that's an absolute nightmare. (laughs) And then the global beauty industry produces 120 billion pieces of packaging each year, 95% of which is thrown away. So this is the sort of... um, you know, this is the bad stuff, right? And that's just, so those kind of stats cover ingredients and packaging, but then you've got broader ethics in beauty. So things like uh, animal testing, for example. Um, I know that of the fifth, I think it's the 50 largest cosmetics brands um, ranked by kind of their market value, 88% 88% of those still test on animals. 88%? So 88%. Wow. 
are not wow. cruelty free. So yeah, and that's that was done. I think that was a survey from 2023. So it's pretty pretty current. Uh, and I know that that survey is recurring, and that that stat has remained at 88 percent for the last few years. So it shows that those big the big companies, the ones occupying the vast majority of the market share, aren't really looking to change that. They don't really care. Um, so you know, this is this is the doom and gloom of our industry. Yeah. These are the things that are not great. And if I'm on organic socials, that's not really what we're talking about. Sometimes if we're doing kind of digital marketing ads, we might use them as a hook. So we'll be like, you know, the oceans are going to be full of more plastic than fish by 2050. This is what we're doing. And you can kind of go from doom uh, into the positives yeah. in an ad setting. But there are other places, you know, on packaging, I would never talk about it. No. Uh, in pitches, <laughs> I would absolutely talk about it if we're seeking investment or um, kind of painting the picture of what we're trying to disrupt. Yeah. And there is definitely a place for these things to be brought to the mainstream psyche of consumers and investors, because that's why we're so passionate that brands like us have to be the future of our industry, because ultimately we can't really keep on going this way. And it's interesting in, in terms of the, you know, what you've just explained there about the doom and gloom side, but also the circularity on the other end, the behavioral side of your consumer. So they buy your product because it's a great product and they they love the results and ultimately that's what they care about don't they how it makes yeah. them look and feel as you said the confidence piece how are you how are the, the how is that next bit then around getting them to get involved in returning and refilling and, and that entire sort of circular aspect at the other end is that how have you approached that side of things well i think you have to incentivize you have to kind of show people uh that it's the best thing for them to do <laughs> before it's the best thing for the planet. Uh, so we are, we, we firstly, we offer uh, our refillable products 20% cheaper. So when they run out, they can go to a refill section on our website where every product that we offer as a kind of standard new um, is offered as a refill for 20% less. And then you have to iron out all the pain points for the customer. So uh, make it very easy, step by step, visual guides, uh, not too overcomplicated. We pay for the shipping. Um, they get a free post label that's automatically emailed to them as soon as they place that order. So it's like they're almost guided by the automated systems that we've put in place and the budget that ultimately we are putting behind this scheme, yeah. whether it's the budget of deciding to offer it for 20% less, the budget of us deciding that we'll pay for the return shipping, yeah. The budget of our time, machinery, staffing, uh, the infrastructure behind the scenes that actually facilitate this scheme. But you have to weigh that up as a brand in terms of the ultimate respect that we get from consumers, that we are a brand that are putting our money where our mouth is and willing to invest in what we think is the right thing. And you can't really put a price on that. Uh, it just keeps you, as we mentioned, in a very competitive industry at the top of your game. And as people that uh, you know, our customers do come back. Our customer retention is good. Um, and it's because we, yeah, we, we practice what we preach really. And um, it's not only good, you know, we've made sure that it's something that's appealing for them financially and with kind of ease of the process, uh, but they trust that it's, you know, something that's better than what other people are doing. And then when it comes to us, I don't know, launching a new product or something, they're like, yeah, okay, I'll try that because these guys are doing good things. Yeah. And so that's where you continue to grow. So it is, and and I love that. And it's also, I mean, it's perfect brand building at every level uh, and it's building that brand loyalty. But you're also bringing the 
customer on your sustainability journey with you, but mm-hmm. making it part of their their journey to be doing mm-hmm. to making impact as well. Because there, you know, goodness, there are hordes of stats around the fact that the consciousness is rising and people want to be doing more and they they want to want more information about they how they recycle. They want more information about how their products are sourced and and they want more engagement with actually being part of the solution. So your offering is connecting with all of that and mm-hmm. and facilitating people to be part of a community where you know I mean I buy products because they make me feel better about contributing to a more positive impact on the planet than than the, the negative one you're making mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is a conscious choice that mm-hmm. that is being made are you finding that your community this community that you're growing is it how how is that starting to to kind of come into its own because you you do get these repeat people you do get people talking about how much they love your product so how is that community aspect how important is that to to what it is that you're doing incredibly important i think community building you know getting that tribe is absolutely key particularly in the last you know 10 years trying to grow a business from nothing in the most challenging circumstances yes. it's like one horrendous global factor after another that you've got to try and navigate you you can't do that on your own it's just a brand who are consider themselves just the brand like your brand is made up of the people who choose to continually purchase from you and we build that community and we continue to engage in our tribe uh as as an always on kind of approach and the refill scheme is an interesting one because it's such a unique kind of asset that we have that other brands don't, whereby our communication with our customers is direct and it's two-way. And it's the most heartwarming thing. So we've just come through the festive period and we're receiving hundreds of parcels inbound, not just outbound. Most brands are just sending stuff out. We're receiving hundreds of parcels inbound and we're getting Christmas cards, gifts, chocolates, thank you notes. Um, you know, just to whoever's on the other side of this parcel, I just want to wish you a Merry Christmas, like all of this. And we're like, wow, this is so special. This is not something that other brands really have the opportunity for. And again, like we, we'll, we'll film the unboxing of these things from our side. T- a yeah. typical unboxing is, is the customer, but we get to unbox and we'll record that and we'll remarket that as like, look how happy our customers are. We, we have people who, keep tallies on the lids of their boxes for each time that they've refilled. So it's the same box, our branded box, which we've made very robust with multiple strips so that they can keep resealing when they resend their products back to us. And people will say, okay, this is my seventh refill and they're keeping a physical tally on the top of it. Because again, we'll do our best. to We, we 100% guarantee that we'll send your own packaging back to you. Um, but this is just kind of really brings to life the things that we're talking about. Uh, and that's just one channel. We've also got things like uh, we have an upcycle, upcircle up insiders Facebook group, which is a closed Facebook group where people can either ask to join or once they've spent a certain amount of money with us um, or done a certain number of orders, they're invited to join. And this is, a I call it both a blessing and a curse because <laughs> Sometimes it's chaos in this group and people are incredibly (laughs) passionate, (laughs) Um, but they keep us to an unbelievably high, um, what's the word? 
standard, uh, a very, very high standard. Um, and But we reward it because it, it, it does make us justify our decision making. And when it comes to new product development, we might think we know what our customers want, but when we're, we're not technically the customer. So we will say, okay, well, we're, we're formulating a deodorant at the moment. Um, first 50 people to like this post will send you samples of it. And then in reply, we just want you to give us a, I don't know, three sentences on your favorite thing and then three sentences on your least favorite thing about it. So we involve them in the product development process. We give them exclusive access to sales or um, if we've got a leftover line of something that we might have featured in a festive product, we'll release a private link on our website to just that leftover stock and then they get exclusive access to it. And these sorts of things and that group grows and grows and grows yeah. uh, that, that people absolutely love about what we do. And I'm often surprised that more brands don't do the same, to be honest. And I think, you know, just talking about what you talked about, they've got a proper community, as in that's what a community is, isn't it? You're mm. a, and real two-way sharing uh, mm -hmm. engagement with them. From, an, from a company perspective, the metrics and measures you put behind your community, mm. what sort of things do you measure as an organisation that show that your community is effectively delivering what you need it to deliver to grow further? Well, I suppose there's all of the typical things like looking at um, is our average order value increasing? What's our repeat order rate? And uh, my brother, the co-founder and our head of digital are the people who are analysing these things in, in great, great detail and then designing schemes that help improve those metrics because uh, that's to be honest, how you turn from not being profitable to being profitable. Yeah. You know, often a first order is, is not profitable because you've spent so much money getting them to make that first order. So when a business can truly thrive is when you've nailed that customer retention piece uh, and worked on improving some of those statistics. So we, we, yeah, we really go into the nitty gritty of that and then come up with campaigns or or things like product bundles. So we'll analyze the average baskets. And then um, if it, we're seeing from people's first three orders that they're often buying the similar sorts of sets of products, we'll take that work out of the equation for them. We'll make it an official bundle. We'll offer it a discount and we'll start using, I don't know, email marketing. So targeted email marketing based on the baskets that people are building, but then not ultimately checking out with and target them in that way. Um, we've got a loyalty scheme where people can build planets, which are essentially points, and then they can spend. And it includes kind of referring your friends and um, building the network in that way. We've got affiliate schemes, which anyone can join. You don't have to have, you know, a huge social following or anything. If, if you're someone who truly believes in your own influence, then great, yeah. influence people and we'll pay you commission. <laughs> um, so there's lots of different things that we're doing at different levels. Um, of course, we do go for the bigger sort of influencer pieces as well, ongoing user-generated content campaigns. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely an always-on thing where we go into the nuts and bolts and the nitty-gritty to try to understand purchasing patterns in order that we can best influence our kind of strategy moving forward, particularly leading up to the festive season where advertising is extraordinarily expensive yeah. and we can't compete because we are, you know, pretty, pretty um young as a brand compared to the big ones that we were talking about earlier. So the way that we can really cut through that is by 
uh, preempting what our customers are going to do before they've even done it without having to spend eight billion pounds on, you know, digital marketing. But I mean, they're, they're proper sort of metrics, aren't they? That that you that show their numbers, their things, tangible things you could put behind to build that business case for why you do mm. what you do. Mm. And then I guess if you're building on those metrics and the commercial metrics, the social impact metrics and measures, they come with you basically building your customer base and your retention, mm. don't they? So that yeah. one almost serves the other, which is then when you hit people, planet, profit, which is what a lot of organizations are shying away from because they're mm-hmm. saying that social impact measures are subjective and you know you can't measure them and it's revenue and profit and that's it. So mm. I think it's a really, really great way to almost hit those social impact metrics. Mm. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And I think that, I mean, I think interesting certifications like B Corp are coming in to show that actually you kind of can measure. They, they literally yeah. have created a measurement in Absolutely. order that those primary categories um, are being put in place so that brands can be held accountable based on a very rigid structure. I think their opening assessment that you have to pass is over 200 questions. It took us three or four months, I think, to get the certification. And you're being measured not only on, obviously, it's not about profit and all of that. I think it's governance, it's workers, yeah. it's community, yeah. it's environment. Um, and I think that's why it's a really well-respected certification because it's not, um, it, it's at last saying, well, actually, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to stick a measure on it and let's see how you match up. <laughs> and it's yeah. really hard to get. So yeah. And you have to keep it. doing it as well. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a one and done. You know, you have to kind of keep optimizing and, and improving, don't you? Um, mm-hmm. And there is this, I mean, there's a self-management that goes goes along with it as well, because all the B Corp community want to keep the standard of that community. And there, you know, when things don't quite go to standard, there is there is pushback. So mm-hmm. again, it's this community um, driven standard, uh, which is which is great because it's kind of like the wisdom of the crowd, which is what you're yeah. talking about with your own community as well. Yeah. So community is really important. And you mentioned that you are now upcycling and and recirculating over 50 different types. started with coffee, but now there's lots of other ingredients. I know I've enjoyed your beautiful bath salts with the, the I love the story of the rose petals from the flower market. I was like, oh, you know, every time they go in the bath, I think about, you know, their, their kind of provenance. And But there is that beautiful story and narrative to all of that. So can you tell us just a little bit about partnerships and collaboration? Because I suspect for for you and for many other businesses, this is a key component of of a finding the right partners, making sure they've got the right ethics and alignment with your values. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, all the logistics of of how it how it kind of works that you know that you really are upcircling these elements and you've got supply chains effective. It's it's a it's a very different supply chain, isn't it? Because this oh, is yes. this isn't this isn't kind of set it set as standard. So can you talk a little bit about that, Anna? Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, as you mentioned, the supply chain is doubly as challenging as anyone yeah. else's. So surviving COVID was quite something when you were kind of relying on the functioning of other industries in order to secure your supply chain and no one else is in operation. It's uh definitely going back to a think outside the box kind of era. Um, But yeah, I think one of the most beautiful things really about our products, and you mentioned provenance, uh, is the fact that every single one is collaborative by nature. It has to be in order that we've got the ingredient to go into it in the first place. 
And so we're forming links between industries that otherwise wouldn't necessarily associate with one another. You know, our eye cream uses byproducts from the wood industry, kind of wood chips left over from creating furniture. What other skincare brands can claim that claim? No one really. Um, we've got, I mean, it's primarily the food and drink industry that we're upcycling from, whether it's peels, pulps, juices, uh, seeds and skins and all of that kind of stuff. They, they are packed with fantastic skin loving elements, you know, nutrients, amino acids and all the rest of it. Um, so I, I love that. Yeah, I could I could pick any product in our range and it's got quite a nice story. You picked bath salts, um, the soap bars that we make. I met the founder of a chai company at London Coffee Festival in like the first year that we operated. And he was like, oh, I, I make chai from 10 amazing, beautiful, gorgeous smelling spices. Um, I'm soil association organic. I've got all the same values as you guys. But I all I do is pour boiling water through it. So do you want to take them? And I was like, yeah, I'd love to take them. <laughs> Send them my way. And you can smell them before they even arrive. Oh. They're incredible. Um, and, you know, it's kind of that same imaginative, eyes open approach where we're all like minded companies who are looking to minimize our waste outputs. Um, and it's it's such a creative process. And then all we're really doing in, in the new product development side of things is matchmaking what we want to make with the upcycled ingredients that we have available and then looking at the benefits and and kind of pairing them together. Um, So flower petals, okay, well, they're very aesthetic. They're going to be whole. um, So you're not going to put those into a cream or else you'd be having to use thousands and thousands of petals in order to get a small amount of extract. Uh, So we use them in something quite tangible, Mm. you know, to float on your bath, et cetera. Um, But it's, it's, it's a true situation of win-win because we are benefiting the companies that we are saving the ingredients from. I mean, coffee, again, great example. These cafes that we're collecting from, the vast majority of them, have to pay the local council to have specialist disposal. That disposal still only goes to landfill, uh, but they have to pay for particular bags. Uh, so when we kind of rock up and say, hey, can we um, take them? Can we take these from you instead? They're like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Please go ahead. And, yeah. I, and I think that's another thing that, you know, works for the brand because everyone involved in it um, is is invested and, it, and it, it truly benefits all of us. So, yeah, it's it's nice, to be honest. And yeah. we're coming up to, you know, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, these marketing moments. And I can just dip into the brands that are associated with our production process and we can collaborate. So, um, the flower company that supply us with the flower petals are doing bouquets and also selling our bath salts on their own website. Ah, um, fabulous. And, and these sorts of things where collaboration really can help each other grow and continue yeah. to expand our audiences that we wouldn't typically be able to access. And brilliant stories, you know, yeah. that, that connection of, of the story. I mean, one question Gemma and I always kind of start with when we're talking uh, to organizations, you know, working with, with when we're, particularly when we're talking about carbon literacy and looking at uh, internal efficiencies is how can waste build capital? And I think that, you know, your whole business is based on waste building capital. But as you say, in that win-win scenario, because many businesses are so inefficient mm-hmm. when it comes to waste. There's waste usually in so many different parts of the value chain, um, mm-hmm. whether they're a, a product manufacturing kind of organization or or not. You know, mm-hmm. people just tend not to look at waste. So I love this, that, that you mentioned, you know, this is 
creative. This mm. is eyes wide open. This is yeah. opportunity spotting yeah. uh, and thinking about all the, the this fantastic opportunity, which, you know, Gemma and I are huge advocates. It's just kind of for marketers. I don't think it's ever been a more exciting time to kind of spot those opportunities yeah. with your eyes wide open and be looking at all of these where can we be more efficient? What can we be doing better? Who can we be partnering with? These unusual partnerships, like you say, you know, it doesn't always have to be the same old, same old. This is where actually where can there be those mutual benefits that maybe we've just never looked in that direction before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everything you're talking about, Anna, is a true representation of everything that we suggest that businesses need to be doing to kind of give themselves a bit of a shake-up to be thinking about a more social impact um, and, and, and transforming their businesses in a in a positive way. So, Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're on the right yeah. lines. Fantastic, fantastic. <laughs> so every guest, we like to ask the same quick-fire questions to wrap up the show. So we're going to fire these at you, Anna. The first question is, can marketing save the planet? What's your view going forwards? My quick answer is obviously yes. I think that uh, UpCircle is a, a nice, hopefully a, a nice example of, of how you can do that. We're getting into the bigger, bigger, scarier pieces now, like television advertising and all the rest of it. And regardless of um, what platforms we're now choosing to dip into, we will absolutely always still lead with that Save the Planet vibe. And the storytelling that it affords us is not something that other brands are able to dip into. And the value in that is also paramount. So short answer, yes. And what do you hope business looks like in 10 years' time? Circular. (laughs) More circular. Um, I think that we are pretty much the only people, we're the only people at scale doing it in the beauty industry. There's some fantastic examples in other industries where... um, you know, people are utilizing waste and packaging and all the rest of it in a very circular way. Um, we, we're, we're not dead set on being, we'll, we'll happily remain the pioneers in our industry, but I'd like to see some of the big brands starting to care and starting to do what it takes because I think we've proven that, you know, we, at first we were like, oh, okay, we can prove that people are interested in this and that they're open to this as a concept. Now we're proving that it's scalable and it can be global. Uh, and so next I'm like, oh, come on then, join us. So yeah, yeah circular. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And also, you know, there's a, val- a great point there around, um, I wonder if, I mean, it's interesting, in our recent book, there was a case study we touched on about Too Good To Go, you know, the uh-huh. yeah. food rescue. And Jamie Crummy's been on the, the podcast um, some time ago now. And one of the things that I was reading about is how Too Good To Go are now working and kind of almost consulting and advising larger mm. organizations in how they can speed up and accelerate and understand these processes. I wonder if the beauty industry are going to start knocking on your door, Anna, to say, help us. Oh, well, I, how would you feel about who that? knows? I think we've done, I feel great about it, definitely. Um, I've had, who was it? There was the 
head of supply chain or something at Innocent Smoothies yeah. came to me when I was on a panel and it was the Q&A section and they just said, how on earth have you done it? And yeah. I was like, wow, that was like a real pinch me moment for me because that was a few years yeah. ago. And I was like, how am I sitting here with the brand manager or, or I can't remember the exact role of such a huge brand who are such marketing kingpins asking me how we've done it. Like that's epic. Um, in the beauty industry, I think we've started to win industry specific awards from like a um, innovation perspective and I respect yeah. that's that's nice that's nice yeah. to see because we get lots of like entrepreneurial business style innovation awards but to get a beauty industry innovation mm. award when yeah. lots of the big players are innovating with regards to like scientific lab based mm. ingredients and things like that that's not really what we're doing and so for us to get that kind of recognition within our own industry is is a bit of a game change so yeah, I'd be. I'd feel great about it. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, here's to, here's to that. If anybody's listening, if you want to pick Ella's brains, um, then then that's fantastic. And if you were to give one piece of advice to marketers who may be feeling that they want to do more in this space, what would you what would you say to them? Gosh, that's a tricky one. I I would just say go and do it. Go and do yeah. it yourself. Um, I think. I can only look at my own team. There's only 20 of us and we each person's kind of fully responsible for their own role. But if there are other things that they want us to do and think we could do better, we'll give them that space to go ahead and lead that project. And that happened with our refill scheme. That happened with our plastic negative and B Corp certifications. That's just passionate individuals within our own team. It's not their official roles. Uh, the refill scheme was our head of customer care at the time. B Corp um, certification was our key account manager who handles our big, big accounts. Um, so yeah, whether you're a mark, an official marketer or not, if there's something you want to see, go and lead with a solution, go research it, go do it. You absolutely yeah. can. Yeah. Uh, you just have to have that drive and almost lead by example, I think. Yeah, perfect. Amazing. Perfect. Well, Anna, so um, love your products. Um, so Thank great you. to have you on the podcast. Um, and where can people find out more about the work that you are doing and your fabulous, delicious, I was going to say, products? <laughs> I mean, we often use a lot of food-associated yeah. words. <laughs> um, easiest place is just to go to our website. So uh, that's just upcirclebeauty.com. If you're in the US, it's us.upcirclebeauty.com, eu.etc. Uh, on socials, all socials, we are at Upcircle Beauty and there's all of the contact information on there as well. I'm monitoring the DMs on Instagram pretty pretty much every day. So uh, if you just address it to me, it'll be me on the other side. Wow, fantastic. That, that, there's dedication um, to customer, to, to really listen exactly. to the customer. Two-way communication. This is pure marketing. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is a conversation. Absolutely. You get that. And um and of course, we will make sure all of those links and tags are all available on the show notes so you can get easy access and find out more about all the great stuff that is happening at UpCircle. So Anna, that just leaves us to say a huge thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. It's been fun. Thank you for tuning in to the Cam Marketing Save the Planet podcast. We hope that you're enjoying these conversations just as much as we are. And if you are enjoying them, then please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast channel and indeed to share the podcast with your colleagues, your friends, your family, because the more people we can get engaged in these conversations, the better. You'll find the podcast on all the usual podcast platforms. 
And you'll also find it on the Marketing Society podcast and the Global Player. For more information about the podcast and indeed the work we do, please visit www.canmarketingsavetheplanet.com. There you will find information about our latest books. You'll find information about our online sustainable marketing training hub and the training and advisory services that we offer. And you'll also find our learning zone, which is an absolute resource hub filled with all things sustainable marketing. So we look forward to hearing more from you and we look forward to catching up soon.